Hi everyone. Before we get into today's episode, we feel it appropriate to give a really quick trigger warning for references to the Vic situation, as well as a really quick reference to sex trafficking. Hello everyone, this is Jeremy from the Anime Dine-In Podcast, and I'm here today with Berger from Geeks in the City. And today, we are bringing you another episode in our special Skipping the Line series, where we are bringing you interviews with some of the best voice acting and industry talent in the business. Today's guests you might have heard in various shows, such as Lord Death and Soul Eater, Sir Crocodile in One Piece, Von Hohenheim from Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, and most recently, the villain One for All in My Hero Academia. Today, we bring to you John Swayze. John, how are you today? I'm well, thank you very much. Good, good to hear, good to hear. Um, so, John, uh, just to kind of start us off, um, you know, with everything that's going on right now, people are staying indoors and they are binge watching TV shows and movies. So, uh, what's on your watch list right now? Well, um, I'm uh, watching a number of things. I'm currently pantless, and um, I, uh, meaning, of course, I have no pants. And um, but I, I don't mind because I'm sequestered to my house. But uh, I'm watching all kinds of things. I've uh, I've been working on some new shows for uh, Sentai Filmworks, who I'm directing for, and have been watching those shows. Um, but also been watching a lot of non-anime things and catching up on Mandalorian. Cool. Oh, yeah. How are you enjoying that so far? Oh, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, my son got me into it. I, I was a little late to the party, but he got me into it. So I'm just like all over it and, and watching it, and it, I'm really digging it. So, um, you know, of course, being um, sequestered in my home, as it were, I'm I'm with uh, my wife and three kids. So even though everyone could be adjourned to their own space with their own device, um, you know, that actually kind of pre- creates a couple of limits because now you've got more devices online which slows all the speed and um, also we're trying to do things where we all watch stuff together to kind of keep our family cohesive so uh, we've gone through um, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter again and uh, like I said Mandalorian and um, I've done a little bit of anime um, mostly the stuff I've been working on to direct uh, but you know, as I as I say, when people ask me, like, you know, what's your what what show do you like to watch the most? You know, when you direct all day long, you don't go home and unwind with watching more anime. <laughs> you know, there's just not a. So it's um. But I I so I I've really been watching just a, a whole hodgepodge of things and doing a lot of other stuff. I got a lot of the projects I'm working on, so I'm trying to get those done as well. So. Long, long answer. Hope that was uh, satisfying because it was a long answer to your question. What am I watching? <laughs> no, that's perfect. Nah, that's great. That's great. Something that's really interesting and something that's really cool here is how the world works and stuff like that. Is that actually uh, you and Jeremy uh, have actually met in the past at a convention? Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. This is yeah. yes. So we. So you had a table set up. Uh, last year at MatsuriCon in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Um, and I, I think this was the very first time that I, I got to stand in your line and got to chat for a second. It was a really good con. And uh, uh, 
yeah, and it was just great, you know, getting to <laughs> getting to meet one of the main villains from one of my favorite uh, anime series. Uh, well, good, good, good. I'm glad. Um, you know, that is um, uh, number one. MatsuriCon is a great convention. I love Columbus, Ohio. It's a great town. Uh, the people that run it um, are amazing. They really take care of their crew, uh, not just the actors, but their staff. Uh, they take care of everybody. It's, it's really an amazing, amazing time. Uh, on that particular convention, I was actually able to take my wife, which I was thrilled about, because she she's never been to Columbus, and she's got family that lives near there. So we were able to kind of knock out a couple of birds with one stone by letting her um, come with me, get to see Columbus, experience the fun of uh, the convention. But then also, um, she got to see her grandmother, who she hasn't seen in many, many years. So once again, anime to the rescue. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I, I think it's always uh, it's always cool how like anime can like re- like especially at conventions how like a lot of people come together and uh, remember for me uh, I'm trying to think because I, I haven't I haven't been to a lot of conventions I know I'm the I'm the odd one out here uh, but I know the the two that I did go to anime next and anime NYC is one more uh, I actually saw a lot of like friends who I haven't seen in like years just by chance uh at the con so it's always awesome to hear like these stories about how people come back together because when i told jeremy about him i was like yeah so you know it's cool we're gonna be speaking with johnny he was like ah, i met him like he actually did one of my intros before and i was like all right cool well i don't share that sentiment with you but that's great so it's, it's really cool how we can all come together well you know in, in all honesty where's anime next is that uh new jersey yeah, Anime Next is in uh, Atlantic, Atlantic, City. Atlantic City. I did that one a few years ago, and uh, it's a great convention, and it, and it was a blast. But, you know, your point is really well taken because, you know, doing these conventions, I mean, obviously, we're in a world of hurt right now as far as conventions go because we can't do them, obviously, which will change eventually, and, and they'll get back into the swing of things. But... You know, the conventions to me, that's really what drives the whole industry because that's where people get together. That's where the fans can meet uh, the actors. That's where the fans can hook up with their buddies and their friends. Um, I mean, that's to me, that's where it's really at. That's the whole, that's why I think this whole industry is where it is today is because of the convention scene and it enables all the people to be able to get together and connect and have fun and all that kind of stuff so you know yeah i would i would tell you man if you've only been to a couple once we get through this stuff get to as many as you can because they're fun they're just a blast and it's a great way to meet people and make new connections make new friends and meet up with old ones you know what i mean yeah definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely so and i also you know being that we're we're speaking about conventions and things like that so, uh i'm i'm very interested to know uh what was your first uh convention experience like uh as a guest so uh many many years ago i um was talking to a friend of mine matt greenfield who is uh, one of the founders of adv films now sentai films he was telling me about these conventions and and at first i was like what are you talking about he's like um you know you go and you meet fans and stuff and so i started to reach out to them and and to be honest uh way back in the day it was like okay 
uh, we're a convention and we'd like to have you at our show and we'll either fly you out or we'll put you up in a hotel and you know just to be not to sound like a jerk but I mean to be honest I was like well I've got a family and I don't want to leave on a weekend you know just for a free airplane ticket I, I just didn't appeal to me um, but then after a while things kind of changed and so my first convention was uh, MetroCon in Florida and uh, they flew me out there and put me up in a hotel and the main reason that I agreed to do it was that at the time my best friend in the world lived in Tampa Florida so I was like well it'll be a free trip to Tampa and I'll get a chance to see my buddy so I went out and had a great time at the convention got to see my buddy everything was fine they went so well they had me out the next year and did it again and uh, they may have had me out either the next year or the year after that but anyway MetroCon was my very first convention and I had such a blast that I, I suddenly realized you know uh, this is if if you're a voice actor um, in order to connect with people which is something that as actors we like to do or at least I like to do um, you have to go to these conventions you have to check them out so from that point on, I started trying to get as many conventions as I could. And, um, you know, I, I do more than some and less than others. And I'm, you know, in a very comfortable place right now. And, of course, the situation we're in right now is a real bummer because I was uh, geared up to do about 15 or 20 this year and they're all canceling. So, <laughs> yeah, now, you know, the good news for me is that um, most of the conventions I'm booked for actually don't even start till June so one's canceled in June already but you know hopefully if we can get through this month you know we, it might start opening back up so that's my hope anyway but we'll see obviously we got to do what's safe and what's best for you know the society you know not run the risk of anything but hopefully uh, we'll level out and we can get back to life as like we knew it yeah absolutely um We'll definitely get to yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so, still going along with conventions, um, when you were going to that first one, did you have any, like, expectation versus reality type of situation? Or, like, were you pretty much prepared going into it once, uh, you know, once you were told what the deal was? <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared at all. I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, what I will tell you is I was very much afraid of, and this is something that actually kept me from going to conventions. One of the things is that in doing anime and where I've done it at, in Houston and working at uh, ADV Films and Funimation and stuff like that, I've had the privilege and fortune to have worked on a ton of shows. And I worked on so many shows. The first five years I was doing anime, I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, in that I didn't know, I knew what I was doing as an actor. I didn't know what I was doing as far as what the anime community was eating up, if that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't understand the whole dynamic of anime. Um, and, and to be fair, it wasn't as big and as prolific as it is today. It just what? It was still very niche. It was still very much a, you know, that's what the, the dweebs and the geeks and the nerds watch you know right 
And so, of course, I was not a geek or a nerd, so I didn't watch it. But I did I did a lot of voiceover in it. And then I started looking at it going, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. Okay, oh. And then, you, you know, my big fear was going to these conventions, I didn't want somebody to ask me a question that was germane to the show I was doing because I didn't okay. know I didn't know the show nearly as well as they would have. You know, as a voice actor, we go into a booth and we record lines as an actor for a show. And even if we're the main character, we still don't know the whole gist of what the show is. We don't know the whole plot line. You know, I hadn't read the manga or I hadn't seen it in Japanese first. You know, that's all changed now because of just the proliferation of it and the um, uh, just, you know, it's the accessibility to it. But way back then, man, I was like, you know, I don't know what Evangelion is about. I really don't, I don't understand it. You know, all I know is I play this guy named Gendo and he's a badass, you know. Okay, fine. And he tells Shinji to get in the fucking ship. That's all I know, you know. <laughs> so um, my fear was I was going to go to a convention and some fan who's going to be well more versed in the show than I am was going to ask me a question about the show and I was not going to be able to answer it accurately or to his or her satisfaction and they were going to call me out on it. And I was like, I, can't, I don't want to do that. Well, as I went to do conventions, that's what I was expecting. As I started to do the convention scene, I realized that nobody asked those questions. Um, they asked questions like, how did you get into voiceover? What was your first show? What's your favorite show? What's your favorite role, etc." And then really with regards to, um, with like in episode, you know, 10 of season two, um, Gendo does this, why? And well, the answer is very simple because that's what the script said to do. I don't have any control <laughs> over it, you know? I don't get yeah. to dictate what happens. That's what the script said. So I did it. And so once I kind of made those realizations, it became a lot easier for me and a lot more pleasant. You know, I wasn't so paranoid and high strung about it. I was able to just relax and have fun and be with the act or be with the fans and, you know, just have fun with them because that's what I really enjoy. I mean, to be honest with you, my, my ultimate goal as an as a anime voice actor is somebody said, came up and said, you know, John Swayze was the most fun accessible guy there was to be with and I had a blast hanging out with him that would make my day immensely not he was great in this role or he's so good or so I mean those are nice don't get me wrong but it's just you know yeah. I like being with people and I like being with the fans and I like just hanging out and at the end of the day we're all just people and let's all just be buds and if that's what I like to be so once I started to kind of make that adjustment to the, the convention scene the whole world for me changed and it was great and it still is awesome yeah i mean and i can tell tell you just from you know meeting you last year at matsuricon uh definitely mission accomplished oh well thank you thank you that that in all honesty i'm not just saying that man that means the world to me that's you know i don't want to be the guys like god he's so good as such and such but man he's what a dick you know i don't <laughs> want i don't want i don't want that you know that's that what a jerk what a Man, you know, he wouldn't even talk to me, you know. I mean, I just, I don't want to be that guy. I don't, you know, I mean, I want to be the guy that's 
accessible. You know, and sometimes you can't be. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't stay in chat with you. I've got a panel to get to, or I've got a, you know, an obligation I've got to fulfill. But if I can, I will. And and you know, you want to be that guy, or I do. That is, you know, just hanging out with everybody and, and having fun, man. Because that's the whole thing is to have fun, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And definitely just one quick comment on the accessibility thing. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed uh, that you've done and also some other uh, voice actors out there is they start to have like their like personal like signing sessions like in the dealer hall. So like, you, you know, you're seen and like you say, hey, you know, come at, come up and talk to us and hang out. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, there's uh, it's a chance that you know, when you, ha when you have an autograph session, you kind of got to keep the line moving. But when you have a table, you're able to be there and just like, you know, come up and chat all you want, you know, and chat it up. So it's, it's that accessibility is a, a really cool deal. Yeah. Something that I think is really awesome and something that's really cool, uh, especially, you know, speaking to Jeremy about his experience at Missouri Con and things like that. And it's something that I, I really enjoy when a lot of voice actors do. But uh, I, I remember um, Jeremy had asked you to do, uh, A, he asked you for an interview. And he asked you if you could do an, in uh, an intro for his, pod uh, for his podcast uh, that he still does to this day, uh, the Anime Dining Podcast. Um, and you had no problem doing it. And I think that's so cool. And it's... Uh, it's an eye opener for like a lot of fans out there because honest, I'm being honest, a lot of fans are afraid to speak to uh, voice actors or actors in general out the fear of being like, man, I really don't want to make a bad impression. They're like, bother you. <laughs> like that. Yeah, they're like, oh man, I, he, I'll just say hi from the background. And like, you know, it's really cool to like see, you know, like the fact that we're able to speak to you now and, you know, people can learn a little more about you and things like that. It means so much to the community that we're in because uh, people are free, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, in a sense, it's like a larger than life thing. And it's good to know that, hey, I mean, we're all people. And then, you know, you said to yourself, you know, I still have an obligation to do, but you know, I, I love the fans. I just, you know, think that's really cool and like a real, like, down the earth moment that you know a lot of like a lot of voice actors are doing and they're sharing now that I, like that i'm able to see. well i mean uh, you know i'll tell you uh, every voice actor i've ever met literally i mean there's there's a couple of exceptions but every voice actor i've ever met or worked with you know we all realize this is a fluke you know who knew anime was going to take off like it did i mean think about it we could still be doing anime but it could still be just a very niche, you know, 20,000 Americans watch it, that's it. You know, there's no, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very underground kind of thing and, you know. But it, it isn't that. It's blown up into this, you know, and it's still blowing up. I mean, the explosion of anime is still going outward, you know, like the universe. It's still expanding. And every actor I've ever worked with, um, for the most part, like I said, knows exactly that that's the case. And, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. I it's like, I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. You know, I'm not Seth MacFarlane. I get that. But in the world of anime, I am who I am and people like that. And that's, I dig it, man. That's great. And, and, and that's... But at the end of the day, like you just said, man, you know, we're still people. 
we're still all just human beings and um you know one of the one of the things i'm there's a little bit of sidebar here but one of the things that i really dig about um conventions is that you know you go to a convention and you can walk around you're going to see all kinds of people you're going to see all kinds of people that identify differently uh you know gender bending and and identification and you know whatever pronouns and blah blah the whole just the gauntlet just the whole thing the gamut of whatever and nobody cares nobody's up there to criticize or or knock you down or they're just it's just all there to have fun and to be with each other and i love that i love that so much it's like you know frankly the whole world could take a page out of an anime convention on how to get along it's like guys just love each other and be here for each other and that's what you know to me this whole community is you know whether you're at a convention or you know at a just watching with a group of friends or whatever but really that's what it is i mean we're the misfits and we are the outcasts and we're all these people that we've come together and and you know what uh turns out there's a bunch of us and we all like each other and and get along and and you know i'm i'm kind of getting off on a tangent here but it's just you know what i'm saying it's like <laughs> yeah for sure i mean we we definitely get it <laughs> I mean it's like, you know, yeah, well, I mean and and you know what? I don't care who you were, if you were a jerk to me earlier, if you dig if you dig what we're doing, come on in. You know what? There's room for you. It's good. Mhm. Just don't be a jerk. <laughs> that's all that's our that's our one rule. Don't be a jerk. And you know, I say that. And there's always jerks. There's always going to be somebody, you know. And it doesn't matter what you are. I'm not saying everybody in the anime world is just a, a prince and a princess. I'm just saying overall there's not the you know we don't tolerate the bullying like it uh you know I put on a convention called Anime Dallas and there's just absolutely zero tolerance for anything like bullying for um you know disrespect of somebody because of their pronoun uh classification you know whatever it is it's like no I don't I'm not going to tolerate that you know as the face of this convention I'm telling you you will get along and respect other people end of story that's it it's it's a very simple rule and if you can't then yeah i don't want you here but if you can i would love to have you so yeah absolutely i think you, I think you see a lot of that you know i think you do see a lot of that that respect and that that mutual respect towards people um cuz you know i mean it's just like i said man you know there's there's people on the spectrum there's people going through some some could be going through some tough shit man you know you don't know yeah. and and the main thing is is be there for them you never know when you're going to be that shoulder somebody needs and there is no greater there's no greater feeling in the world in my in my experience than being that shoulder when somebody needs it especially especially if it's a stranger that is a, that is the most amazing thing you could ever experience in life I'm telling you man in my 55 years on this planet when when a stranger comes up to you and introduces themselves and and I don't mean just lays it out like oh my god but if they whatever they're whatever they're dealing with and just they just say something to you like you know what but you heard me speak you're a friend and I can I'm moving on thank you 
I mean, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. And you don't have to be a voice actor to do it. Anybody can do it. And I think that's what um, what is generally promoted. That kind of feeling and attitude is generally promoted at conventions. And that's one of the reasons that I really love this industry. So sorry, I was on my soapbox right. there for a minute. No, this this, this was good. That's real. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something that you brought up that I wanted to touch on is, you know, as a Texas native and, you know, you have an undying love for your state, uh, that you have your own convention called Anime Dollars where you raised money for Hurricane Harvey a few years ago. Um, in addition to that, you've done a lot of other, like, charities, like a number of charities, all, all for the state of Texas as well. Can you tell us more about some of the other charities you raised money yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, like I'd love to. Thank you. Um, so our first year at Anime Dallas... Uh, our goal was to raise money for Hurricane Harvey victims, uh, of which I was actually a victim. I was not a recipient of the money. I didn't go, hey, I raised money, I'm giving it to me. I didn't do that. But I, I, we raised money, we gave it to an organization um, uh, that helped, uh, helped Harvey, uh, Hurricane Harvey victims. Last year, in 2019, we uh, had a new charity that we did, and it's, it's really going to become kind of our, our go-to charity. And it's a place called Freedom Place that's in Houston, Texas. And it is a home uh, for girls that um, are, are brought out of the sex slave and sex trade industry. And um, so I, I'm a big, big believer. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love sex <laughs> as an expert. <laughs> but not with not with underage women and boys who are forced into it um, through various channels. And so I started to do a little research on this and um, it, it is mind boggling uh, and it, it, it's scary how how I've used this word before tonight, but prolific the sex trade industry is and um we're we're dedicated to um, to giving money to the uh, to help combat that. And uh, Freedom Place is the is the place we've chosen, and it it houses uh, girls that have been gotten off the street and helps them get back into uh, society and and be a you know a better person and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very very proud of the work they do, and very very proud that that's what we're um, about. Last year. Um, that is, you know, in the midst of the uh, kick Vic, I stand with Vic uh, debacle, you know, this was obviously a very hot topic and um, it, it, it really rang true with me. Uh, you know, we were, we were all about supporting the victims and we were all about supporting. It also kind of coincided with um, uh, the LGBT community and, and, their rights and their you know the stuff that they've dealt with and that kind of stuff so i was trying to kind of combine the two but anime dallas is very very committed to both um both groups as far as support and what we can do to to help make you know their lives better and and the world better and you know for them and that kind of thing so um that's just it's become a pet project of mine and um you know, I, I feel even weird even saying it's a, you know, it's a pet project. It's not a project. <laughs> just, I just want to help as best I can because, you know, 
like everybody else, they're just people, you know, for crying out loud, they're just, everyone's just a person. Let's respect that person. Let's give them dignity and respect them. So, um, anyway, but that's, so that, but that, that's pretty much our, our main goal. And, And I was really, I don't know if it's been canceled yet. I need to talk to my board of directors, but we were gonna introduce Anime Houston this year. So it's April now, Anime Houston is scheduled for the 1st of August or the first weekend in August. Um, so right now we're still a go, but you know we'll see how things go. But I'm really hoping that we can make it happen, especially since um, uh, there have been a couple of conventions in Houston that have already canceled. And so, you know, my goal has been um, and is, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be a competition to other conventions in Texas or anywhere for that matter. What I want to do is be to, to go, look, look how strong our industry is. We can have a convention here. We can have one there. We can have one then. We can have one now. We can have one later. It's like, we're, let's, we're all, let's support each other. You know, let's support each other in the industry. It's not a competition. It's, you know, I, I'm for Anime Dallas and Anime Houston, you know, I'm like, hey, if you have a convention in Texas, I'll give you a free table to come market your own convention right here. Come on, I'm not going to charge you. Just come support. I'd rather, you know, it's that kind of the idea that, you know, when the when the tide rises, uh, all ships raise. You know what I mean? Right. It's right. like I'm not trying to beat you. I'm let's let's make it stronger for everybody. There's room. There's enough pie to go around. You know, some people see it that way. Some people don't. I mean, that's just life. But you know, that's how I look at it. So, yes, definitely. I, I think I think that's amazing, and I think that's cool. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, people people love conventions, and you're giving more opportunities, you know, for people to basically express the things they love. And also, something else that's cool and really interesting is that you know, you realize there's a lot of ugliness in the world, right? And as, as people you can either like ignore it or you can try to do something about it and the fact that you're you know you're doing something about it speaks volumes not only as a character but just as someone who genuinely just wants to help you know you don't need a big hey you know i don't need a nobel peace prize you know but i i just really want the the, the gratitude of helping someone is enough for me and i think that's really i think that's really awesome and i think that's really cool well, thank you. Thank Definitely. You know, and my, my other, my other, uh, I'm a big deadhead. I love the Grateful Dead. And I love jam bands and I love all things that. So if Dead and Company, which is the current manifestation of the Grateful Dead right now, if Dead and Company came to Houston or to Texas, and which they've done, and said, hey, we're going to do a concert in Dallas and in Houston and in austin well i'm not gonna go oh wow okay well i'm only gonna go to the one in houston because they're here like no i'm gonna go to all three i want to see them so it's like the same with a convention it's like if you have a convention in houston in march or april or may you have another one in july or another one in august it's like you know what i'm going to all three I don't care. I want, it's a chance to be with what I want to be with even more. Now, I understand if there's, you know, somebody may go, well, I went to a convention and spent a lot of money in May 
so I don't have a lot of money in June. And I, I, I can understand that. I, I appreciate that. But it doesn't preclude you from going to the convention. And you even may go, well, I'm going to both conventions, so I'm going to spend this much money at one and this much money at another. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be, there's people that seem to think it's like, it's one or nothing. It's all or nothing. And it's like, no, you can, you can spread it out. People are smart. They know what they want to do. You know, if you've got, um, you know, so-and-so's autograph and they're going to be at a convention. Well, that doesn't mean you don't have to not go to that convention. You're just not going to get their autograph. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not going to go and buy a ticket and, and spend money elsewhere and do other things. It's like, no, it's a chance to go to another convention. Why wouldn't you do that? So, you know, like I said earlier, man, when the tide rises, all boats in the harbor rise. Yeah. All ships on deck. Yep. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, because um, you voice a lot of, like, dad characters. <laughs> um, like, surprisingly, uh, you, you voice a lot of dad characters. And you're, out of all the dad characters you voice and stuff, which characters in particular do you believe have the best qualities as a father? Especially considering that a lot of mainstream anime paint fathers as, like, absent or neglectful. Or... Well, it should be noted I'm a terrible father in Oh no. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, my my favorite my fa- I do play a lot of dad roles. In fact, I've got a I've got a uh, print that's a bunch of dads and it's just called Who's Your Daddy. <laughs> and um, but you know, I I play a lot of dads and and I play a lot of villains and in many cases the dad is the villain. Yeah. You know, like a like Hohenheim or um, Gendo or even, you know, all for one to an extent. I mean, it's just, you know, if whether they're a dad um, per se or they're a dad figure, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite roles, and it's also a dad, is the character named um, Kumitetsu in uh, The Boy and the Beast. And yeah. Um, I I adore that role so much. That's that's hands down my favorite role I've ever done. And I just I love that um, I love the role because I love that it's it's got that angst and anxiety and anger and frustration, which is that's the way parenting really is. You know, um, parenting is not Gendo or Hohenheim who can just go. Never mind. Forget you. You know, <laughs> you just don't do that. It's no. You, you have something vested, and um, it's frustrating because your child, or in in that case, the protege, you know, isn't doing exactly what you want him to do, even though you know what you want him to do. At least in your eyes, is the best thing for them, even though it's really not the best thing. You know, that's something as a parent you realize that what you think the best thing for your kid is always the best thing. You know, some things are like, hey, um, I can tell you right now, putting your hand on that hot stove is not a good idea. And your life will be better if you listen to me. But there's a lot of intangible things in life that you can't do that with your kid. And you have to let them 
you know, sometimes you have to let them put their hand on the stove. You know, you have to, even though it frustrates you, it, it angers you. It's like, yeah, they had to learn. And and so Kumitetsu for me is is one of those roles that just I I see it every day in my existence with my own kids, you know, and I have to let them grow into what they are, what God wants them to be, you know, what they're supposed to be, not what I want them to be, but what they're supposed to be. And that's, you know, sometimes a hard pill to swallow until, until you see it. And then your eyes are open and you go, oh, I get it. That is so cool. I am so proud of you. You're so awesome. And then you try to take all the credit, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> That's super. That's super cool. Um, I, I like that. I like that uh, philosophy because a lot of parents, and I know a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people do have are in situations where, in a sense, their their parents want to control. I don't want to use the word control, but they want to make their decisions for them because they're like, "Well, I've been on this planet longer. I know what works. I, I'm gonna just get you straight to the finish line." And you know, sometimes you know people have different things they wanna uh, they wanna try. I know from my, my father wanted me to work in a factory. You know that was his thing he was like listen this is gonna this is gonna work i built this up and i didn't want to do it i wanted to um explore different things i wanted to do stand-up comedy i wanted to do voice acting and it took a very long time for my for my own pops to be like all right well before l- let me see that if you can convince me that this is what you truly love i'll support you and I remember he he just he spent the whole day with me, which is weird to say because it's like my, my father was around, but he he spent the whole day. So everything I did, he watched, and he saw how much fun and enjoyment I had. And he was like, "All right, if this is what you want to do, I'll support it." So it's always cool to hear when it's like, "Yeah, I, I want my kids to you know do what they want to do, not what I want them to do." I mean, I have some rules that will be placed down, but at the end of the day, this life is for them. So always a good life. Always something. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, you brought up a really interesting uh, thing there. You know, you talk about the finish line, and it's like, you know, number one, your finish line is not what my finish line looks like. Not only that, the road that you're traveling is not the road I'm traveling. It's different. It's different terrain. It's not the same track. And uh, but I will tell you this, man, when you get the when you get the full on buy in and backing from your folks, that's huge. And I I I went through the same thing you're just talking about, man. My parents were like, an actor, really? How about a lawyer? You know, lawyers have to act in trial. They have to, you know, and I was like, no, no, that's not going to work for me. And, uh, but eventually they went, you know what? I can see this is where your heart is. And you seem to have, you know, propensity of doing well. And so, yeah, we're all on board. We're, we're total support. I mean, you know, I won't say that then I was able to achieve my dream. I was going to do it whether they cared or not. But you know what? It really does make a huge difference when they buy into it. Because then you know you've got that back. You've got that support. That that uh, that love and that, you know, all that stuff that goes along with it. That can help you. Because as you know, uh, no matter what you do, you're always going to run into obstacles. And you're going to run into um uh, hardship and, and tough times and you know sometimes it's it's really good when you can go to your folks and go man I'm, I'm having a tough time they're like okay it's cool you know this is what you chose to do 
but we're here for you. And you know what I mean? It's like they still support you. So it's, it's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Always. So, yeah. Always super Definitely. Um, you, you mentioned that, um, you mentioned that you, you've done a lot of villains, which you have. You've done, you've done a tremendous number of villains. And I, and you've actually went on record stating that, uh, you know, you feel like a lot of, a big part of your success to your career was playing villains. Like, in fact, a quote you said, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know what interview it was, but uh, you said a quote that if there's no bad guy, then the hero has nothing to do. Right. Uh, what villains in particular? What villains in particular have you voiced that stood out? Well, I mean, All for One is a good one. Um, uh, you know, Hohenheim is is a quasi villain. He's not really the villain. He's just he's a not a great guy. Same with Gendo, um, Crocodile. You know, they're they're all just. I, I love being the 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 parry to a, 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 a the hero. Um, you know, I, I don't only play villains. I mean, you know, Lord Death is not a villain, and Undertaker is not a villain. But they're they're characters in power, and um, that that have a say in how things are going to go down. And um, and I think that's, I guess, maybe more than anything. That's what I really, really like. It's not necessarily being the villain. You know, I don't like being bad, but. When you have that that kind of character that's kind of in control one way or the other of the situation, um, those are always fun to play. Um, but you know, it, right now, I mean, obviously, the the villain I'm playing is all for one, and you know, he's stuck in a jail with tubes coming out of his body, and I think somehow he's still controlling everything. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but it's, uh, he's, it's, it's, seems to be the case. Yeah. Um, uh, so I had a, uh, a question for you. Um, so this is kind of going back to the previous topic about, um, about children. Um, so I, uh, discovered and learned that you recently launched a project with a partner and forgive me for butchering the name, but a children's book series called Jungle Burrow. Um, so I was curious about that project. Uh, one being, you know, what sparked your interest in children's education and reading? And also, um, I'm just curious to know a little bit about how that project, uh, I am about. so, 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 so glad you asked, uh, <laughs> called Jungle Berg children's okay. reading community and uh if you go to jungleberg.com you can check it out that's our website it's jungleberg with an h J, you know jungle b-u-r-g-h.com and uh the first book is called zeke gets glasses jungleberg is a it's it kind of came out of, of a little bit of the anime world um jungleberg is a very inclusive um a very diverse community of animals in the jungle that live in this little berg called Jungleberg. And um, there are animals that you would find that don't necessarily belong in the jungle, but nobody cares. It doesn't matter. We're all, you know, like I said, there's a great deal, deal of diversity. And it right. deals with um, things that uh, kids deal with um, that to them is a huge deal. Um, but to adults, you're kind of like, really? Get over it. And yeah. so the first book deals with a spider monkey named Zeke. And Zeke uh, keeps swinging into things because he can't see. 
and he doesn't know what's going on, but he finds out that he needs glasses, but he's scared because he's never been to the eye doctor before, and all he hears is doctor. So um, he ends up going to the eye doctor, he meets some new friends and gets glasses, and it turns out, you know, it was no big deal after all. And so he uh, he's, you know, now got glasses and can see great and wants to go swim again. So it's a very simple story. It's like I said, there's these are children's books. And um, the idea is that it deals with kids fears and phobias that are are not a big deal, but they are a big deal. And um, then the idea, too, is that it's it's not about like our next story. Um, we're, we're doing a whole series of these books. Mm-hmm. And the next one is about a squirrel who's afraid of heights. And uh, what we're doing now is um, we are doing a, a pre-sell of the book in order to pay for the printing. So one of the things, and you brought up like, you know, one of the things that I think is very important is, you know, obviously reading is very important. It's just to get by in life. But there's something about a kid physically holding a book that I think is, is imperative. You know, not just swiping on a, a tablet or something like that, but just holding a book, feeling a book. You know, it's a book, and that's what it is. And so we definitely are having a hard copy. Now, what we're doing is we're having it printed, and so we're doing a pre-sell where you can go to jungleberg.com, and it's a limited edition where you can, for the first 500 people, you can buy the book, you get the book, autographs by me and my partner Mike Vance and the illustrator Blake Shepard both of which are anime voice actors and um, you get that the audio version which is acted out by a bunch of anime voice actors and the e-version for $50 and so it's a limited limited time only um, you know but that will that will pay for the book to get made and kind of launch us if you will and then, uh, you know, once we get that done, then we'll go on to working on the next book and the book after that and that kind of thing and really just create a whole, like the name says, Jungle Bird Children's Reading Community. So it's something that I've been working on for the last four or five years. I'm very, very passionate about it. I love it to death. And um, I'm just excited that um, it's finally come to fruition. And I'm very excited at the fact that I'm able to use uh, people in the anime industry, um, like Lucy Christian and Patricia um, uh, Duran and Blake Shepard, um, as you know, actors and provide them work and you know, just helping, 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 helping each other. You know, that's kind of the goal here. And uh, but I'm very, very excited about it. So. Please, please tell your listeners to go check out jungleberg.com. Definitely. Uh, you guys heard it here. You know, definitely check that out. And I think it'll be something really good for uh, for kids to get into. Um, I so. so I had a follow-up question on that. So um, going through this project, you know, you talk about these. Uh, this deals with issues that are a big deal to children, like going to an eye doctor for a first time or being afraid of heights. Um, where do those stories come from, uh, from your perspectives? So like, is there any, like, are you drawing from personal experience or like, or, or, or how do you find like, these are the issues that I think are important and the issues that I want to talk about? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, you know, some of them are personal experience and some of them are just, you know, when I say personal experience, it may not necessarily be something that happened to me, right. but it could be something that happened to somebody I knew growing up or something that I witnessed. Um, you know, in, in the one about uh, the, the um, afraid of heights, we're going to touch on bullying. We're not making the whole story about bullying. That's been done to death. But it's 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 going to touch on it. So, um, you know, it definitely is stuff that I've grown up with. But it's it's also stuff that's it's fairly universal. It's not you know, I don't think anybody's going to go, oh my gosh, a story about a squirrel who's afraid of heights. That's very funny and that's very clever, I guess. But you know, afraid of heights is nothing new. There's tons of people that are afraid of heights. But the the what we're what we're trying to do is show that um, you don't need to overcome it. It's not about overcoming your fear. It's about just dealing with it and living with it and getting through life with a fear like that. So it's not about the squirrel that overcame his or her fear of heights. It's about the squirrel that was able to save the day even though he or she was afraid of heights. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's really I think cool. it's a very discernible difference. You know, it's, it's not about... I did it. You know, I was able to overcome it. You know, it's not about yeah. that. It's like, no, man. It's, it's, you know, because, you know, there's a <clears throat> basically an idea, and I think in our society that you're lesser of a person if you have a weakness like that and you can't overcome it. You know, yeah. you have to, you have to power through it, work yeah. through it, get quote unquote, it. man up, as they say, man no, up, no, 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 strap no. them on, come on. Yeah. Man. And that's, that's not it at all. That's not what yeah. life is. That's not reality. Reality is, I mean, yeah, you have to face it, you have to deal with it, but it's not about, and I've got to beat it. But, well, I, I shouldn't say that. You do have to beat it, but beat it looks different to different people. It's right. not it's not beat it because I, I climbed that tree and I looked down and I said, F you, fear of heights. Now I'm over it. It's like, you know what? I can I can win the day without climbing that tree. And at the end of the day, that's all that mattered. So... You know, that's what, that's to me what's, is what is important. It's not about, you know, I mean, it's like my wife, you know, these, these glass bridges that, mm -hmm. that go out over the Grand Canyon and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I mean, I've never been, but I, well, but yeah. yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you see yeah. them on YouTube and stuff like that. Well, yeah. my wife's just like, nope, yeah. nope, not going to do that. I'm like, okay, well. That doesn't make you a lesser person because you don't want to walk out on a glass bridge. You know, I mean, it's like you still have plenty of value, obviously, and plenty to give and offer. And you may go, I'm just fine standing on the rim. I don't need to go on the glass bridge. And that's fine. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind uh, of what the gist of these books is. That's the message we want to send out with these books. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as somebody like myself who will not get on a roller coaster to save his life, I feel really validated, you know, hearing <laughs> hearing you say that. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, listen, man, from you and me are in the same boat. So if we ever get together and go to a theme park, we'll go sit at the park bench together and have an ice cream because hey, I'll let I'll let the great. other folks ride the coaster. I'm the same way. Same <laughs> way. Don't enjoy them. Don't, you know, and, yeah. and I know people that are like, Oh my God, I could ride roller coasters all day long, you know? And I'm like, knock yourself out. Now yeah. let's go to the haunted house. Oh no, I'm not going to the haunted house. 
we just got on a roller coaster. You know, it's like, well, you see, there it is, man. We've all got our strengths and we've all got our weaknesses. And and those are what are to be celebrated. The differences should be celebrated, not the not criticized and and ex- exactly exactly that stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I guess I'll be the only one on a roller coaster <laughs> by myself. But, <laughs> yeah, hey, you know what? You know what? If, if the guys... three of us go, the line just got shorter by two. So you're in luck. Hey man, if you guys buy me ice cream, I'll be happy. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be able to eat it right after, but you know. Um, something I wanted to ask is that you actually you've done a lot of like live action TVs and movies including Days and Confuse and Friday Night Lights, Paradise of Texas and Chase. Uh, what kind of experience is it when you do that work ex- when you expose your whole like being rather than just your voice? Uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, being on film is obviously you're being seen and everything. And the, the beauty of doing uh, the voice work is that um, uh, you can you can be a lot more people than you are in on camera. You know, I can be um, 50 different characters if I just use my voice as opposed to I'm going to be just a handful of characters if I'm on screen. Um, but I love both uh, both mediums. I mean, they're they're both delightful. I will say that my favorite is the voiceover world. Um, but I love acting. If people want to put me on camera, I'm all for it. You know, I to be blunt, I need to lose a bunch of weight <laughs> so I don't look so fat on camera. But um, it, it's they're they're very different mediums. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's still acting. I would say if um, given my druthers, my favorite kind of in, in order, in a rough, loose order, would be voiceover, stage, then film. You know, stage gives you that immediate gratification and response. I haven't done a lot of stage in a long time, um, mainly because of the convention world. It's, it's the conventions, you know, if you, if you get involved in a play, your sideline from a convention, you know, you could be sidelined for two months. And, you know, it's a hard, somebody once told me, it's like, well, it's convention season. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? It's, there's convention season every day. I mean, it's <laughs> every week there's five or six conventions going on. There's no convention season. There's always conventions. And so, you know, I've, I've thought about it like, you know what? I need to find time to just say, I'm not going to do a convention in these couple of months because I want to do a play. But the thing is, then you have to go, okay, well, uh, what's the play I want to do? Is anybody doing it? And does it fall into the right time frame that I want to not go to conventions? And that's a that's a tough little formula to, to make work. But yeah, I mean, but I, back to your question. I mean, I love film. I love all aspects of acting. Um, but my, my favorites are pretty much uh voiceover and then stage did you do any acting as a kid i didn't really um i acted up a lot you know i did you know little goofy stuff and put on plays in front of my parents and stuff i didn't do any formal acting i was never in commercials as a kid or did any theater i I think my first play was i was like 15 years old in high school so um but okay yeah my father killed my dream as a when I was I was a I was a play 
and I was a tree. And my father was so disappointed. He, I remember I came back. I thought I did so Oh, well. no. Like, did he want you to be a shrub? <laughs> and he was, he was like, I was like, how did I do that? And he was like, trees don't move, son. And he walked away. And I was like, ah, I lost him. Like, I, oh, that's brutal, dude. But when brutal. I, was, I know. I was like, ah, he was just, he was so upset with me. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, man. I wish I... I'll be a tree again. Well, you will, and you just be the best tree you can be. That's all you can do. Hey, you know what? Plant my feet. You know that's how it is. Oh, that's cool. Is that um? Not only are you, you know, a voice actor, you know, a voice director, uh, you're a voice acting teacher. Yeah. And I think that's super cool and amazing, especially there, because there are a lot of people that's looking to get into the business, and there's a lot of people who are, you know, very interested. And that in that field, you know, could you share some of your techniques that you exercise or you conduct? With your yeah. So um, I do uh, some voiceover training. Um, I really only do private training these days. Um, I work at a studio, of course, now that's not even feasible. But um, I do have um, a video that I did. And if you go to John Swayze actor, you can see the video. I think it's like 25 bucks and it's a it's basically a it's it's the private course I teach but it's just in video format. So there's no there's no train like I can't coach you one on one but there is you can you can kind of see the ins and the outs and what it takes to be um, you know voice actor and you know really what I try to do is tell people number one you've got to be an actor pure and simple. I mean, you just have to be an actor. It's not about being able to do different voices. It's not being able to go, I can sound like Monica Rial, or I can sound like John Swayze, or I can sound like, you know, Vic Mignogna or Todd Habercorn or whatever. It's not about that. It's about you being an actor and being able to be real and authentic in the delivery of lines that your character has to say. You know, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Now, if you have to sound like an old man, great. If you have to sound like a witch, fine. But you still have to be believable. Um, there's a great, great quote. I'm, I'm going to kind of, or story. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it because I don't remember it exactly. But somebody came up to Mel Blanc one time, you know, the great Mel Blanc, and said, I can do a voice just like... Um, Daffy Duck and he said that's great can you recite Shakespeare's Hamlet soliloquy as Daffy Duck and make it believable and the guy was like uh. it's like it doesn't matter what the voice is are you believable in that voice are you believable in that character and that's the essence of voice acting whether you're doing a character or you're doing a script about you know, oil production or arc welding or whatever, you know, it's, are you believable? Do you sound like you know what you're doing? And that's, that's where the acting comes in. That's where a lot of people, I think, miss the boat and, 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 you know, kind of shortchange themselves and everything else. You know, I had a guy one time tell me I was in New York at a convention and this guy raises his hand. He goes, Hey, I've taken a six week acting class. What's my next step? And I said, take it again. He goes, well, I've already taken it. I said, I know. 
take it again. And when you're done, take it another time. And after that, take it again. And then when you're done with that, take it again. You know, it's, it's, you don't, it's, this isn't a trade where you go, I, I take a six weeks correspondence course and get it. Even with my video, you know, you watch it, you know, you pay your 25 bucks and watch my video. That's not going to make you a voice actor. It's just, it's, it's part of the process that's going to help you achieve that. But it's a process and it could take years. It could take, you know, tons of time. Every voice actor that I know, every voice actor that I know that is worth their salt is an actor first, has trained as an actor, whether it be in college or in real life, you know, I mean, say in real life, after college, you know, but I mean, they, they, they were an actor first, you know, they didn't just come to, there's so many people I see post videos about, here I am at Funimation following my dream, I'm going to be a voice actor. And they go in and they have no clue what acting is, but they're going to go in and do Walla for $35 an hour and go, ah, and go, I'm in a show. You know, it's like, so, so what? My dog can do that. You have to, if you want to be an actor, you have to go train as an actor. And that's what I try to, that's not what I try. That is what I tell people. And most people, 99% of people that I work with don't understand that. When they come in train, they're like, yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. And I have them read a script and they go, it just, they stink. You know, they don't, they didn't realize, oh my gosh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It's like, yeah, I told you, man, it's not just, you know, it's like I, I equate being a voice actor <clears throat> to learning how to play the guitar. You can go to a music store, you can go to Sam Ash or to Guitar Center or whatever, and buy a $2,000 Fender Stratocaster or a, uh, you know, whatever, Martin Acoustic. But that doesn't make you a guitar player. It just means you have an expensive guitar. Yeah. You have to you have to take the lessons. You have to train your fingers, your mind, your body, everything. You have to learn the guitar. You can't just play it. And it's you know, and it takes time. There are no shortcuts to it. There are no shortcuts at all. It's a it's very much a a life lesson, you know. So. There you have it, boys and girls. I think, I think you said it perfectly. I think so many people, uh, and I see it all the time. You know, uh, so many people would be like, "Oh, I bought this uh, two thousand dollar mic, so I'm 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 there already." And, right, you know, right. And, and and it's like it's not it's, it's it's not about people tend to believe if I just get expensive equipment. Oh my the, God! The work and do nope. itself. You don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you were so. Oh my gosh, you were so right. People come up to you and they're like, "Okay, so I went and bought a Neumann mic for fifteen hundred dollars, and I got an interface, and I got this, and I got that, blah, 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 and I, I put all this padding around my closet, and I, I got my booth set up, and I'm ready to go. Now what? Like, what do you mean now what? Do you, <sighs> do you know how to act? No. Well, <laughs> what'd you go do that for? I mean, you talk about the cart before the horse, you know, that's like, holy moly. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's people, they, they jump into it. They don't, 
they want it now. They don't understand that it's a process and it takes time and there's a, a certain path they have to go down in order to full circle now, cross that finish line. They've got to take the right path. And, and sometimes they go, oh, but this is a shortcut. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's a detour and it took you to the wrong spot, you know, and now you're stuck. So, yeah, right. that's a great point, man. Great point. Yeah. Uh, is there ever a point uh, in your in your career, you know, you've been doing this for a while, like where you've felt like um, like you've got like you've got this like you're like where you're like when, when did you hit that comfortability where like you know that like you were it with your craft? I've, I've never hit it um, because I don't get every job I audition for. You know, it, that's the thing. I mean, we're not, you know, I hear people all the time just go, man, if I could, if I could just get this and this and make it, like make it, there's no make it. You have to make it every day. And right. just because you've done these characters doesn't mean you're going to do those characters. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, I mean, it doesn't work that way in the anime industry, but I can tell you it doesn't work that way in the acting industry. And it doesn't work that way in life. I mean, even even if you look at things like like Brad Pitt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you would think Brad Pitt or Matthew McConaughey could and and actually I should say they those they're they're in the handful of the elite that could pretty much go, I want to do this role. And chances are, okay, great. But you're Brad Pitt, and if I put you in my movie. I don't care if I spend a hundred million dollars; it's going to make two hundred million, just because right. you're in it. So I, I let me let me retract that a little bit. There are some people that have that, but even there are some. Most people don't have that. Even what you would call big names, you know, they don't have that. And it's like, well, I don't care who you are, you know, um, you're a has been. You're a you know you're not. You're not today's special, and it doesn't necessarily matter what you've done. And I, so you're always, always working to um, try to better yourself and and be the next thing. Not be the next thing like the the next. You're the next thing. I don't mean like Coke. I mean like you know you're you're always auditioning for something, and sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. I mean. Um, you know, when I auditioned for uh, The Boy and the Beast, well, I auditioned for it and I got it. And then shortly thereafter, there was uh, uh, a role coming up for um, Dragon Ball Z because Chris Ayers, who's a wonderful actor and a friend and all that, he had gotten sick and couldn't fulfill his role as Frieza. So they were going to audition the role of Frieza. With I auditioned for it. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, a part of me was like, "Well, God, I, I just did Boy and the Beast for you. I mean, you know how, you know what I can do." It's like, well, yeah. So, can you do this? I mean, you know, it's, it, it was different, and I didn't get it, and that's fine. And was yeah. you know, it's not there. So there really is. There's no I've made it. Now, I will say that there are some roles in life that somebody may go. Hey, I'd like you to play this role because I know you can do blah, you know, 
you did you did this character in this one show here's a new show it's got a similar character you'd be perfect for it let's do it but it's not like you know it's not a thing where you go and i've made it you know it just that just doesn't happen you know uh, as lucy christian says so beautifully um we're so lucky and so blessed to be doing this but it could all go away in a heartbeat and i know that yeah and it can it can i mean my gosh look what look what happened over the last year the, the controversy that just went up you know right right i mean holy moly you know talk about people taking sides and people crashing and burning i mean my gosh what a yeah. travesty that was for every everybody i mean there's so many people not just you know the the immediate parties involved but a lot of people that had a very much a just a whole nasty trickle down so yeah. you know this can go away and and you know the fans can make that decision and that's yeah. why i always want to be the fans friend <laughs> I think there's a uh, you said it uh, really elegantly is that you know you haven't peaked and you're always trying to improve uh, I personally I can uh, relate to that because I do stand-up comedy and like you know I, I get asked because I've, I've done a lot of shows like a lot but I get so nervous every time I, I go up I go up on stage and I I, I recently filmed a one-hour special after maybe four attempts to, to do the special before and you would think that wow if you've done it like four times it should be simple and it's like no it's like you know it never it never like that that desire of wanting to of wanting it to be the best a version of of what i can present it's only the reason that i feel like is so well is because i'm constantly pushing myself because I know I'm not. I know I. I know I'm not at my peak, and I feel like once you feel like, once you feel like you peaked at something, uh, you get late. Right. You know you. You know you're like ah well this is look it ain't gonna get no better than this guys but you always want to like you know keep trying to improve and you know you see that with like you know the different roles when you say you know being a voice actor it's about being an actor first you know you can see that in all different ones how different is a character like all for one versus a character like Zoroku from Allison right exactly you know? exactly great point and yeah. I, I tell you here here's the answer to how do you know when you've made it when you don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. Because <laughs> you've made so much money, you can tell everybody to f off. I don't want to talk to you anymore. That's how you know you've made it. And if that if that's truly the case, then I hope I never make it because I never want to do that. I mean, this is something that I love, and I'll hopefully get to do this for a long, long time and and the rest of my life. You know what I mean? I'll get to do it well. And uh, you know, people go, "What's your retirement plan?" I'm like, "Well, I don't really have one because I'd like to do this, you know, until I can't do it anymore." And if I can't do it anymore, there's only one reason for that. Yeah. So. Uh, one of my last questions is, as a director, um, uh, you, you once said that you must pay attention to cues. Uh, for someone that's starting out, uh, what advice can you give someone that may have a trouble adapting to certain cues when on the jobs? Because um, directors have kind of their own language. I've, I've, I've been in a room where somebody was like, hey, can you do this more like yellowish and i was like yellowish like the color yeah like i've heard some very crazy like directions it was like give it to me more blue and i was like 
sad and he was like no like blue and i was like maybe i should sound like a little more like muddled and he was like no that's green and i was like i don't know what well that's a that's um, a crazy director who i'm not sure they know what they're talking about <laughs> there's no sound blue um no when you when you direct somebody you know you want to give them like um because the actors don't have the the advantage of knowing the context of what the scene may be about and you know you want to direct them and say okay so here's what's going on in the scene here's what your character's dealing with and and go with it you know um but you also you can you can say things like i, I need you to really it's not about being i need you to be blue or that i just want you to be real you know if you fall off a cliff don't go ah that's not what you would do. You would scream bloody murder. Scream. You know what I mean? Be real with it. Not what you think a cartoon's version of that would sound like. So, um, but I basically for me, when an actor gets in the booth, I like to let the actor kind of do what they think is there. And then if I like it, great. If I don't, we go back and we tweak it and kind of move on. But I like to give the actor as much leeway as possible yeah that's definitely that's great i i I love that well listen everybody we've had an amazing conversation okay i've learned so much stuff um i think the next person i need to see on my hero academia is uh john sweet's dog he'll be a perfect character uh I want to tell. I want to say. I want to say thank you to everyone who's uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, thank you, John, for you know taking time just to speak with us. It was so cool, so insightful. I learned so much. Um, such an awesome uh, person. Well, thank uh, you, guys. Genuinely, genuinely, thank you so much. Um, and I also want to thank uh, Jeremy. You know, what I mean, for doing this with me as always. It's always so cool to come together and speak to the great people that we admire so much and like you know get to know a little behind the booth and a little behind the business so i want to thank you for that jeremy as always and most importantly i want to thank the fans uh you guys that are that are listening to this you know you guys are literally what makes this thing possible so as always you know guys practice uh social distancing you know what i mean it's a very crazy world we're living in right now but honestly and truthfully we'll get through it you know but we'll get through it hands in hands well maybe not hands in hands right now, but we'll get through it regardless you know shoulder to shoulder you know what i mean and maybe that might be pushing it but i want to thank you so much uh and as always people stay healthy and We'll see you next time. Yes. And really quick, just to add on to what Berger was saying. Um, so, John, I want to thank you personally as well for giving us the time. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. And I think you've given us a lot of uh, content and uh, kind of those knowledge gems that people can take with them. And uh, hopefully a lot of people take 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 your advice to heart. And um, I think that was really cool stuff you were able to provide us. Um, so just as recap, everybody, make sure if you want some good children's reading content, go to junglebird.com. Hit that up and uh, check that content out. And, uh, yeah, that was it for me. Well, guys, I just want to say one thing. Thank you all so much. Well, I guess a couple things. But thank you all so much. It was a real joy talking to both of you. And I appreciate your your candidness and your, your honesty. Um, but also, uh, one of the things you said was, um, you know, if it weren't for the fans. And that's, you know, that's going back to what we talked about earlier if it weren't for the good guy the bad guy would have nothing to do um if it weren't for the fans we would have nothing to do 
And so my hat is off and my heart is filled with joy for the fans of anime and the people that support us. And um, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. Y'all take care, man. Yeah, thank uh, you. Hopefully we'll see each other soon at a convention. And uh, we'll do something live. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. All right. Thanks, Chad. Sure. All right, guys. Cheers to you, man. See you. Bye-bye.